You are listening to the Purpose of Money podcast, everything you need to know about credit, an interview with Shante Nicole. You are listening to the Purpose of Money podcast, a podcast where we talk about ways to build wealth and create more freedom in your life today. I am your host, Aquania Escarnet. Hey guys, welcome back to the Purpose of Money podcast. If you are tuning in for the first time, I want to say thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed last month. If you are listening to this in real time, you'll know that for the month of June, we celebrated home ownership and real estate investing and had several powerful stories from women who are building wealth through real estate. So check out those episodes just in case you missed it. This week, I'm so honored to have special guest Shantae Nicole. She has an amazing story of overcoming not only health issues, but debt and credit issues as well. When she was faced with adversity, she decided to arm herself with education. And now she leads a huge Facebook group where she's helping others do the same. Let me know what you think about the episode when you're done. Wherever you're listening, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And I hope to see you again in two weeks when the next episode comes out. If you want to know more about Shantae Nicole or about anything mentioned in the episode, don't forget to check out the show notes. You can find them on my website at thepurposeofmoney.com. Now let's get to the episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the Purpose of Money podcast. This is your host, Aquania Escarne. I'm so happy to have you. Today, we're going to talk about all things credit we have special guest Shantae Nicole. She is passionate for serving others and has always been at the center of her life. She is an autism mom, wife, author, financial fitness coach, kids money coach, certified credit consultant, holds a degree in nursing, and is the founder of her nonprofit organization, FACE, which stands for Facing Autism with Children Everywhere and Financial Common Sense. She is a panelist for the SunTrust Bank's On Up financial campaign and also facilitates workshops in the Washington metro area and the Northeast region of the U.S. Her mission is to educate and empower individuals to make better financial decisions in regards to rebuilding and repairing their credit, budgeting, developing saving strategies, and debt management. Shante, welcome to the show. We are so glad to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Before we dive into all the things you do with your amazing group on Facebook and your social media on Instagram, can you tell our guests a little bit more about yourself and financial common sense? Yeah, so it started because I've been in a position, you know, years ago where I fell on hard times, my credit, you know, dropped, and I was trying to figure out ways to increase it. And so I just started, I would say around, the age 22, 23, just honestly becoming obsessed with learning about credit and how it all works. And back then you didn't really see too many ads about credit repair companies. So I was like, well, let me figure out what I can do myself for free. So I just started, you know, researching things. And of course I'm on, you know, Yahoo, cause there was really no Google back then, <laughs> looking up information <laughs> on like credit law and like how to understand collections and how it affects your score and how scores are calculated. And so I was able to bounce back so fast from, you know, 
just having my own collections and medical debt and maxed out credit cards. And so I said, you know, I know a lot of people are suffering right now and they don't understand credit. Most people aren't just reading up on credit law and credit articles and stuff like that. So I said, I want to create a safe space on Facebook that people can share and I can just provide all the stuff that I've learned over the years. And the biggest reason why I started the group was because every year around December, everyone talks about their New Year's resolutions and their new fitness goals and their beach body they're going to have by summer, and this new diet they're about to try. And I was like, nobody's talking about bettering their finances. And maybe they want to, but it's not an easy subject to talk about. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, I can understand nobody's just going to throw on their public, you know, Facebook page, like my credit sucks, you know, so <laughs> I was like, let's create a safe space where people can share. So I came up with the name and then I made a post on my personal page, like, hey guys, I just made this page, this group, come share, you know, join my group. And like the first day I had like 65 people, they were all wow. my friends. They were all my friends on Facebook. So I wasn't like too <laughs> boosted, but like they came in and immediately started sharing. I was like, great, this is what I want to do. So I shared my story and shared what I did. And then people started telling other people and other people. And by the third month, we had 15,000 people. So, yeah, I was really blown away. But that's kind of what, what, what catapulted me, really, just no one was talking about it. And then I wanted to share what I've learned so other people can learn on their own as well. That's so true. A lot of people don't like to talk about money and they find it to be a touchy subject, right? Because if you're really good in your finances, you might be more comfortable with terminology about money, speaking about it because you are comfortable in your finances. But when you're not so comfortable, it's kind of harder to want to raise that subject, especially if you don't know how the other person feels, like they may have judgment. So I definitely think that it matters um, that you created a space where people could feel safe and people could talk about finances and not feel um, embarrassed to share what they're going through. So I love how you talk about, you started with your friends and that was your first 65, (laughs) but 15,000, wow, that's amazing. How many people do you have in the Facebook group now? So we're either really close or just hit 79,000 members. Wow. (laughs) Yes, yeah. I love it. It's grown. It's grown. Yeah, that's true. And how long did it take to get to a 80,000? Like what year did you start? um, January 2017. That's amazing. It is. I really believe so. Like, like you read in my bio, I have a, I know I was born to serve in whatever capacity that is. At first I went to nursing school. I wanted to do that with my nonprofit for kids and parents, you know, affected by autism. And now this, these are things that I've been personally affected by. And so now I want to share, you know, my story and we would have a lot more members, but we're very selective about who we let in. So our block list is very, <laughs> very vast. <laughs> so, but I'm not about numbers. It's really about the quality and the tone that I set for the group, which is I let the group know we're, this is our group, not my group. You're here to learn, pass on that information. You know, don't just take it all in and help build your own credit. Share in someone's joy and success when they close on a home or they their credit jumped for two points. You know, they post about that. My score went up two points. Everyone's like, yay! Yay! So, and that's that's the tone I set. So if anybody comes in being judgy, me and the admins are like, boop, you know, like we don't (laughs) don't play because it's not a a, a fun subject to discuss. And people are on edge. And we don't want anybody to feel judged. That's why I'm open to sharing my story because I'm like, look, if I got through it, you can too. Don't be embarrassed Mm -hmm. to share. You know, you may be helping others. 
That's a good point. And you are protecting the people that you have brought into this community so they can continue to feel comfortable. Is it just for women or is it for everyone? It's for everyone. I'm not serving the, you know, the African-American women or, you know, the single moms. We have men, women, white, black, Asian, Hispanic. Like it's just, we have people who say I'm 18 and I'm just starting to build my credit. I'll have someone say I'm 65 and I'm embarrassed to say my credit is where it is. We, it, we cross all demographics. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't like. just cover credit. I know that's your specialty and what kind of sparked your interest, but you do introduce other subjects to the group, correct? I do. Um, I'm, and so if I don't know about it, I'm going to bring somebody on to talk about it. But um, it's really a lot of people. The group is called Financial Common Sense. So I didn't name it credit something so people can think it's just about credit. That just happens to be the hot topic. But we talk about savings. We talk about saving strategies. We talk about budgeting. How are you spending your money? Are you paying too much in monthly expenses? Why are you paying $300 per cable? You're barely home. Let's talk about what you can cut back or cut out, you know? And so, yeah, it's really just the overall, you know? And like I said, if I if I don't know about investing, I have someone come and teach it. If I don't know about life insurance, <laughs> I have someone come and teach it. And then some topics, other members are very well-versed in. So if someone asks, they take the take the reins and just provide all the info. And I'm like writing notes like, okay, uh what'd you say? So yeah, I I just want people to know it's not just about credit, um, but that is the hot topic. And so that's kind of what, and that happens to be when I'm very well versed in. So I mean, kind of helped me as well. So let's tell us a little bit more about your personal situation. Were you someone who just found themselves in a lot of consumer and school loan debt, or did you have a mix of a little bit of everything? So it really started when I was 22. I was diagnosed with stage three cancer and I could not work full time because I was um, getting chemotherapy and radiation. And so that, and I didn't have a savings. So that led to maxing out a lot of credit cards and then a lot of medical bills going into collection. So a lot of my ups and downs with credit wasn't because, oh, I was in over my head. I was out shopping and spending a lot of money on credit card debt. It was really just life circumstances. And then I was able to bounce back And then I went through, uh, I was let go from my job and I had a great job making great money. And again, because I was so comfortable, I didn't build a savings because you think you're going to be in your job for a long time, right? Until I leave. And that didn't happen. So I, and I didn't get another job for a year because I was like, oh, I can find something. But that was when the economy was kind of, you know, rocky. And so I didn't find work. So I literally used credit cards for an entire year to pay monthly expenses. Then I got divorced and my ex left me with all the debt. He didn't care what was in both of our names or not. So that was that. And I was homeless at one point with a four-year-old child with autism. So going from here to there to there, trying to just figure out where we're going to live. So yeah, it was really rocky, but, and I never really cared about my credit during those times because I had other pressing issues. And I, I always knew once I bounced back financially, I can build my credit right back up. Why? Because I had the knowledge and tools to do so. So if my score jumped to 500, I'm like, I'll get to that. Right now, I'm trying to figure out where we're going to lay our head or eat or, you know, take care of, you know, the electric bill. But um, yeah, that was a lot of my my story. And so I always shared my bounce back because I want people to think, I mean, to know that you can bounce back. If you have bad credit, you're not stuck there. And so many people have bad credit for years because they're like, I don't know what to do. So my credit will always be bad. And my mantra is like, no, it's not. You know, you can always bounce back. So I share that story any chance I get so people can see like, oh, wow. Like she wasn't born with an 800 score. She actually went through some stuff to get here. Mm-hmm. And it's not e- it's easy, but it just takes work. I'll say that much. It's not hard. It's, it just takes some time. 
I love that. Bouncing back and being real that you prioritize when you needed to your livelihood, finding a place to live, giving your son the comfort he needed, and that credit didn't have to be at the top of the mind. You had other pressing issues. So I love the fact that you're honest about that, that you can repair your credit when the time is right for you. And if you are going through some things, it's important for your mental health and for yourself that you focus on that. Say it again. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. And so I hope that people hear this because even right now with everything that's going on, you will have an opportunity to bounce back if you're struggling, if you lost your job because of COVID-19 or you are experiencing less income. The key is to stay determined to bounce back, you know, getting to that next step and learning. So you went and took a proactive step to learn, to educate yourself, Mm -hmm. to Google it, to figure it out. And I think that's really key. And then you created a community that pretty much helps minimize a lot of that research for other people. And you're empowering the women and the men in the group to teach the rest of the group if they're experts on certain things. I just love all of that. I'm (laughs) so here for that. Yeah. And then, I mean, I took it a step further and started developing programs and products for children. Because what I learned was, you know why a lot of you guys are in shambles? Because you didn't learn this stuff. No one taught us. And my mom didn't teach me. You heard me say, Mm -hmm. I had to Google all this stuff. I had to research it. And so I say, okay, let's start with the kids. So I created products and I created online, you know, online classes and workshops and stuff. And the parents are like, wow, because the biggest thing I hear them say a lot is I want to learn this stuff. So my kids don't go through what I had to go through and I want them to learn, but not the hard way. Like I had to learn. So I think it's critical to start teaching kids now, even about credit. I just did a workshop last Friday teaching them about credit to elementary schools and middle schools and high schoolers. It's never too early to learn because when I we agree. got to college, I don't know about you, but I know they were on campus offering credit cards. And so, yeah, it's easy to get caught up. It's true. My first credit card was offered to me on a college campus in the yard and at that time, I don't think they even offered me a t-shirt or a cup. They just you were like, sign here <laughs> and we'll give you credit and it'll help you build your credit. And I signed up. Now, I will say, I still have that card. It's my longest history credit card. And my credit limit has steadily increased. The more mm-hmm. income, the more I responsibly used it. Yeah. But it could have gone a totally different way. I could have been like, hey, let's go to happy hour. Here goes my books for this semester because I can't pay for them. Here goes a new computer and not have the money to pay for it. But I was really responsible. I remember my first card, I had a $1,000 credit limit. Mm-hmm. And I applied on the yard. And person was just like, this is your way to building credit. And at the time I was like, okay. (laughs) Um, But I have a lot of friends that were shopping it up and not making enough money to pay off credit. So I've seen the other side too, where you have all these things and you have nothing to show for it. And then you still owe the money. So yeah, you're like, you're like 30. Like I'm trying to clean up mistakes I made when I was 18. I'm like, what have you been, what have you been doing between 18 and 30? What's that's a long gap. Nothing happened in between, positive between that time. So I can tell you my first card was a thousand dollars and my crazy behind went to pay my rent. Cause oh, wow. I said, Oh shoot, I can pay rent and keep this extra money in my pocket. Not realizing that next month, what's going to be due? 
the rent. credit card bill <laughs> and the rent. rent. Again, so it's like now you got rent for the next month's rent still on this card. You spent the extra money that you it was just a mess. It took me like three months to pay that off and then, it, then interest. So now I'm paying yes. interest on the on the place where I live. So that was really a hard lesson learned. So a lot of my lessons were learned the hard way. But I said, I want to save a lot of people out here to not make those same mistakes. Or if you've already made them, let's talk about how we can bounce bounce back. That's the phrase. That's the phrase. Bounce back. Save people to struggle. Like we don't have to struggle with our finances if we don't want to. Sometimes we just need to meet the right person to Mm -hmm. open our eyes to what's possible. I know you talked a lot about financial common sense and the group on Facebook and what you offer, but you are also a credit coach. So can you describe to me someone who may need a credit coach because they can do but so much researching it on their own, but at what point should they work with someone else? That's exactly it. Like they say, I love that you have this group. I love that you have all this free information, but trying to piece it all together is very overwhelming for me. So if you can just get me on the phone and look at my reports, I'll pay you. And I'll, you know, and I give a step-by-step plan. Now I still do a lot of educating on the, on the phone. So although my group provides education, if I have a one-on-one, I'm giving them the education they need specifically. So it's not like they're trying to piece it from this post and this post and this packet I gave for free. It's like, I'm telling you, this is what you need to do and why. And if you fall short, this is what you need to do to bounce back because it happens. Life happens. Right. And so that's what I do as a coach. And I always related to a football coach. Right. He's not on the field playing. The the players come off the sidelines. He tells them what plays to run and then they go out there and they do it. And if they do it right, you know, of course, they have an opposing team to consider, but you have a chance of winning. So that's the thing. I'm coaching you on what to do and I'm teaching you how to do it because if I never learned my up and down, I would never have bounced back as quickly as I could have. But because I had the knowledge, I always bounced back really quickly. It didn't take two, three, four years for me to bounce back because I had the knowledge. So once I give you the play-by-play, I'm going to explain to you why I want you to do these things. So it makes sense, not just do these things because I said so. And they're like, okay, Shantae said so, so I'm going to do them. But explaining the why that, that way. And a lot of people hang up saying, man, I never knew half of this stuff. This is enlightening and that's what i want when they hang up that they walked away with something more than a plan you know absolutely and i really like how you basically are shortening that learning curve and you're tailoring it to what the client needs so they can take action so that learning curve is probably a deterrent in itself some people are like i don't have time or i don't want to be bothered And so you're offering them an alternative. Okay, you don't want to put in the time to learn yourself, then let me create a plan specific to you, but -hmm. you're still going to (laughs) learn. You're like, you're still going to learn. You're just going to learn one-on-one. And I'm here for that. So I like that a lot. What is, say, the top common thing that people come to you and ask about that you constantly are answering the question to? Uh, yeah, yeah. Where do I start? Okay, so really it's the, the basic question is how do I boost my score? Like I see that a lot. I just want to boost my score. And my first question is, do you know how scores are calculated? 95% of people say no. So everybody like, I want that score boost, but they're like, I don't know how to do it, but just tell me how to get that 700. So that's the first step. Like if you don't even understand the basics of what goes into calculating a credit score, then you need to jump back a little bit Learn something so you can see, because if you understand that, you can look at your own reports and go, oh, this is why my score looks like this. This is what I need to do to bounce it back. But people just, they just want that that score. People ask me about um, what's the best credit card, you know, to boost, to start building credit. 
how do I get these collections off? Can I just dispute them and they go away? Because this is what the credit repair companies want you to think. Well, that's the whole nother topic. And um, I get, yeah, it's really about disputing which credit cards can help me and where, how do I just boost my score? Like that's the, you know, of course there's branches from each off each question, but those mm-hmm. are the ones I get like the most. So yeah. tell us how is the credit <laughs> score calculated? What there are taken in consideration? Yeah, there are five components of a score. And in order of importance, you have payment history, which is basically how responsible you are with paying back. Not just paying back, but paying on time. So things like late payments and collections and bankruptcies and charge-offs, all those things are what affect your payment history. Then you have utilization, which a lot of people don't even know that that's a factor, let alone how important it is. Using no credit is... is um detrimental to your score and using too much is detrimental to your score so you have to show utilization you can only do that by using credit cards so then the next question is well how do i use my credit cards in order to boost my score i've done so many videos on that topic breaking it down because people get a little confused then you have your length of credit history you touched on that you've had that credit card since college that's important the older credit you have the better the credit is if you're new to credit even though you may be paying on time your utilization is great if you just had a credit card for four, four months or one year, as opposed to someone that's had one for five or six years, you're still a risk because lenders are like, well, we see you're responsible, but we haven't seen over a duration of time how responsible you can be. Then you have your credit mix. Anytime I say that, people are like, what is that? So um, that's like one of those hidden factors. Your credit mix are your revolving lines of credit, which are credit cards, and then your installment lines, which are things like your mortgages, your student loans, and your auto loans. So any payments that are fixed that you pay the same every month is considered an installment line. And then you're revolving our credit cards. So lenders want to see, do you have a nice, healthy mix? They don't want to see all of one or all of another, right? And then the bottom of the totem pole is your inquiries and your new accounts. Every time you apply for credit, you get hit with an inquiry. So many people tend to think, oh, you just get a one to five point hit. And I don't know where they're coming up with this magic number, but <laughs> there's factors involved with how that affects you. You and I can go into Macy's today, apply for the same card, get the same limit. You might take a one point hit. I might take a six point hit. Why is that? Because maybe in the last six months, I've applied for six credit cards and you haven't applied for a card since last year. That matters. How many new accounts have posted in the last six to 12 months for you and how many for me? So those things matter. So how much of a hit you take depends on your credit history. It's not a, a, you know, overall blanket, you know, number. So those are the five components. And so if you have several collections in a bankruptcy and maybe a couple charge off, your utilization is 90%, you can look at your own report and go, okay, I see why my score looks like this, but people don't know. And that's basic, basic information. That is actually not a secret. If you can Google it right now and it will come up and tell you what the five factors are. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And I understand what you mean. Credit is not equal And everyone doesn't use credit in the same way. So I love the example you set where we both go to Macy's, we both apply for a car, and yet our score is impacted differently. And I probably would be that person who hasn't (laughs) applied for a credit card in a year. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm like, I'm done. I have the credit cards that I want and need, in my opinion. And I'm not trying to really get more credit cards. It's how I use them that really matters. And I, and I know, I tell people about utilization a lot. Um, I personally say don't go over 30%, which means like not having more than 30% of your credit, your total credit available 
But what is your recommendation? Do you have a number? I do. So, um, and when I talk about utilization, I'm speaking about individual cards, not overall. Okay. Because okay. it's possible to have a low utilization with overall, but still have three cards that are maxed out. Exactly. Um, if you have a very wide overall, you know, availability. So let's just talk about one card. If your limit is 1,000, I say try not to show more than 30%, which is 300. But I say don't strive for that. 10% should be like middle ground. So I say try not to show more than $100, you know, utilization. And so my video was really talking about, well, how do I know how much gets reported to the credit bureaus? You know, because people, some people just use 60, 70, 80% of their credit card and then they let that report. That's going to drop your scores. Like you said, don't try not to go over 30%. But this thing that I've learned years ago and I teach people and they're blown away. Whatever your balance is when the cycle closes, every credit card has a billing cycle. That's what actually gets reported to the credit bureaus. People don't realize that. They don't even know what a billing cycle is. They say, where do I find that? I'm like, it's right there on your statement. So if you look at what your balance is when the cycle closes, that is what gets reported. If you only use $100, they're only going to report the $100. If you happen to use $500, but you pay it down to $100 before the cycle closes, they're only going to report the $100. They don't care about the $500 at first, and then you paid it down. So I try to tell people, it's not really about how much you use. It's about how much gets reported. That is the, that's the critical part. And so I teach them about paying it, you know, paying it down, you know, on your billing cycle. And then on your due date, you want to pay in full to avoid interest. Because, I like that. Yeah. So a big mistake is people use their card and they pay in full before the cycle closes. And they say, I don't understand why my score is dropping or my score is not going up. And I say, well, remember my, 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 my phrase, whatever the balance is when the cycle closes, that's how much will get reported. So if you use it for gas and pay it off two days later, what is your balance? Zero. Okay, then how much is going to get reported when your cycle closes? They're like, oh. And I'm like, you do this month after month and zero is reporting every month. And so it's so critical to make sure something reports just 10%. <laughs> so that's what it is. You can match your card out, but as long as you pay it down before the cycle closes, you'll be fine. And so that's what I tell people. I use my credit cards for everything. I have seven major credit cards. I use them every month to pay my bills. So I get cash back. I get airline miles. I get stuff. And I make sure I never go over 10%. But if I do, I'll just pay it down before the cycle closes and then pay on the due date. So that's the critical part of utilization. I like that. So utilization matters for the credit score, but your preference is when you're using the card, focus on what's being reported. Because if you're trying to build credit, you need more than zero to show up that you've been paying off more than zero dollars. But at the same time, to make sure people are in a safe space when it comes to spending, if they keep it within the 10%, hopefully that's 10% they can afford to pay off in full when the credit card is due. So I want to emphasize what you're saying, which is the payment due date is not the same as the cycle of your credit card closing. They're two different dates. They're two different dates. And legally, they have to give you at least 25 days for your due date. So if my cycle closes on the 23rd of April, my due date is May 21st. They have to give you at least a month. And so people get confused and they pay everything before the cycle closes. And that's why they say, well, zero is reporting. Pay everything on your due date so you're not getting interest. And what you said was so critical. You said, you know, stay in that safe space so that you know that you have it 
when the due date arrives. My mantra is use credit cards for money that you have so that you're not worried about whether you're going to have it when the due <laughs> Like I pay, I pay my electric bill with my credit card. I have the money to pay my electric bill. So there's no worry whether I'm going to have that when my credit card is due. I have it. So just use it for money you have. A lot of people use it for money they think they're going to have, right? And then a month later, you never know what can happen in a 25-day period. You never know. So if you use it for money you already have, then there's never a worry about whether you're going to pay. Or people use it to pay something. They have the money to pay in full, but that bill said, you know what? You can just give us a minimum payment. Don't worry about it. I'll take $25. And they say, okay, I'll have some extra money in my pocket. But I'm not giving the credit card company any extra money and interest, especially if I use it to pay a bill. Why would I pay interest on my lecture bill? Or my car insurance or my gym, you know? So that's the biggest thing. I'm like, use money, use credit cards for money that you have. Exactly. So the it's already budget for, the money is there. The bottom line is I just need to make sure I'm strategically making the payments when the payments are due. Yeah. And I think that's important. I'm glad you made that, you distinguish that so that hopefully listeners will walk away with a strategy these are strategic payments. Either I'm trying to build credit or I'm trying to make sure that I stay within my budget. So I'm using the cash in my budget to pay for my expenses that I've already allocated for. I'm just using a credit card to pay mm-hmm. for them at the time of purchase, but I have the money. So I think that's really, really important. And I like how you explain that. So easy to understand. It's the action. Yep. <laughs> it always concerns me when people take action. <laughs> they really hear what you said. This is what we'll have to see. But hopefully they did. Hopefully they did. So I like to ask this question to all my guests because the podcast is called The Purpose of Money. And a lot of people have different reasons on why they are doing what they're doing. You're a mom. You have a special needs child. And you are still serving people by helping them build credit and helping them through your nonprofit. But what is your purpose for money and what do you hope to achieve? Personally? Yes. It's always about you. Okay. And you know, it's hard for me to wrap my brain around talking about me because I'm always serving others. So personally, I just I've gone through so much in life with money, like not having coming from a single you know, parent household, and then, you know, working and just to have my job taken away from me. And then cancer swept in and caused me to have financial burdens. And at this point, I just want to, I just want the freedom. You know, I am not in the space where I can say I am wealthy. And I don't mean wealthy by saying I have Beyonce money. I just mean like I have the freedom. I have no worries when it comes to, um, I want the comfort. You know what I mean? And so because I'm not there yet. I don't mind sharing with other people how they can get there because I know how to achieve that. It still just takes work, even for somebody who's well-versed on the topic of money. Mm-hmm. I want my, my husband has been so instrumental in where I am right now, even with finishing school, anything I come to him with every month, I'm like, I know you think I'm crazy because I have another business idea. I have another something. And, and then he's always like, okay, whatever. And, I'm, and that always drives me to show that I can do it. And so I just want to have wealth for him because he's been, he's sacrificed a lot so that I can achieve the things I want. So I want to get to the place where I can just buy whatever for him and not have a thought, you know, and I know that sounds so materialistic, but I just want the freedom. I don't necessarily need millions. I just want the freedom, whatever that means for me and 
the life that I set up for myself. Do I need a $600,000 home? No, not with two, you know, three of us, <laughs> but I just want to be comfortable. I want to make sure that the moves I'm making with my money can set a good example for the people that I'm preaching to. And so, you know, I want to make sure that I can say, well, I can't sit here and preach only use 10% if I'm not doing it. So I want to be able to make sure I'm a reflection of what they, you know, want to be as well. So I know that was a mouthful and I'm trying to piece together. No one's ever asked me that. So that's such a great question. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just want, I want wealth. And when I say wealth, it's not really the amount of money. It's the comfort level with money. And that's what I want from my fam- me and my family. I mean, it's just, that's the bottom line. Um, and I want to continue teaching. I l- absolutely love what I do. I will run that group forever and ever and ever <laughs> because I just love to see people win. I love to see the success stories. I love to see that people say, because of this group, I've been able to do this. Because of Shantae's session, I've been able to do this. And it really warms my heart. And it's not to pat myself on the back. It's really just to give myself kudos for walking in my purpose. I love it. I love it. So y'all heard it. That's her purpose for money. We're going to help you get there, Shantae. <laughs> so if people want to follow you, join your group, or hire you for their credit coaching needs, how can they find you? It is financial common sense. And since it's spelled like C-E-N-T-S, because we're dealing with money. So you can find me at financialcommonsense.org. Of course, on Instagram at financial common sense. The group on Facebook is financial common sense. And the public page is financial common sense inc and i'm shantae nicole so you can and and i'm i'm open i I just want to share i just want to help you so even if you never sign up for a coaching session if you join a group and make a post we're all going to just be there to just like dive right in and, and you know help you out okay guys you heard that so check out financial common sense the website on social fill in whatever you can to help if you do end up joining a group make sure that you're contributing but don't misbehave shantae will kick you out (laughs) She will. (laughs) So thank you so much for being on the show, Shantae. I cannot wait to share this with listeners. And I definitely want listeners to share with friends and family. So if you like the podcast, please share with others. We appreciate the support and feel free to leave a review. Thank you. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you have any reflections that you want to share, please send me an email at info at thepurposeofmoney.com. I always love to hear from you. Or you can comment on my website at thepurposeofmoney.com slash episode 19. I hope you got some actionable tips that you can do right away. If you're having challenges with credit and want to know more, check out Shantae Nicole's Facebook group. Become a member and learn from others who are trying to do the same. You can also contact her for personal consultations. I hope that was valuable to you. If you know anyone that also needs to get this information, please share it with friends and family who will find it just as valuable. And don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single review and I appreciate all of you for taking the time to leave your comments and feedback. Thank you so much and have a great day. Don't forget, next episode comes out in two weeks. Thank you for listening to the Purpose of Money podcast. For more resources and information, check out my website, thepurposeofmoney.com. And while you're there, please sign up for our newsletter so you have the latest information on new episodes and blog posts. Until next time, keep creating freedom in your life today.